Before we get to this week's episode of Business Over a Brew, let me tell you about my friends at Roberts Motors. You know, one of our favorite episodes here on the show was when we had a chance to sit down with Sam and John Roberts. If you haven't had a chance to watch that episode, go back and take a look at it. It's great to see uh, the interaction between not only two business partners, but of course, father and son as well. They really epitomize what a local business is all about. Number one, doing business the right way giving back to the community. If you have a chance, you may not buy a car from there, but at least give them the opportunity. Shop robertsmotors.com. You get more at Roberts Motors Ford. More selection, more value. Each vehicle they sell comes with the Roberts Rewards Value Package, which includes oil changes for two years, loaner cars, car washes, and much more. Get more at Roberts Motors Ford. Check them out at robertsmotors.com. Now enjoy this week's episode of Business Over a Brew. Welcome to Business Over a Brew, the show where we talk business with some of the Riverbend's most interesting and influential business people, all while enjoying a nice brew at the Great Rivers Tap and Grill inside the Best Western Premier Hotel in Alton. Today, we'll visit with Eric McCroy, Vice President of Rex Encore Media, which operates the Advantage News. He'll tell us about his first job at the Advantage and what it's like working every day with his mother and his wife. It's the Business Over a Brew podcast from the Great Rivers Tap and Grill in Alton, brought to you by Roberts Motors, the value store since 1949. Welcome to Business Over Brew. Pleased to be joined in this episode by good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, and vice president of Rex Encore Media, Eric McCoy. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Nick. You're a, you're a Scotch guy, so we're is Scotch brewed. It's distilled, right? It is distilled. Okay. It starts as beer, but beer's not good enough. So we got to run it through the process again. Comes out little drips, expensive bottle. Ship it over and you got scotch. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself just to start with. Where'd you grow up? I grew, I haven't yet. <laughs> that might be the best answer we've had to that question. Right. Yeah. I refuse to. I'm from. That's a better question. Yeah. East Alton. I went to Roxana High School, graduated two years before the last market crash, 1985. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to. After I graduated high school, I went to five colleges in four years. So I was sort of on the sampler plan. Which college did you start at? I started at Lewis and Clark. Okay. Because I was going to Mizzou, but my GPA was not good enough to get into Mizzou. So I found the loophole I could go as a transfer student. So I went to Mizzou and that was great. I lived in a fraternity there. That was great. That was too great. (laughs) Not great for the GPA. It was not great for the GPA. Econ 51, my first semester, I got a five-hour D. That brings it down. That wrecks your GPA. (laughs) (laughs) So to stay in the fraternity, I had to raise my GPA. So I came back that summer to St. Louis University, took a class so I could go back in and live in the house. Uh, When I got back there, uh, I was involved in some intramural stuff. Uh, I was intramural football. Actually, thought I was going to walk on the Mizzou football team. Sure. And because uh, I was, I played at Roxana, and I walked into the locker room there to meet the coach. And the towel boy walks by, <laughs> and then the players walk by. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna be over here in the stands. So I joined a fraternity, and then I became an usher at the Hearn Center. So I saw every basketball game. Uh, Every concert, it was great. So, you know, when you're an usher, you just get people seated, then they really don't need an usher anymore. So you sit down and watch the concert. So I did that. But in intramurals, uh, I got injured. It's an old football oh, injury. Man. Yeah. Um, what position did you play? 
in intramurals. Yeah, or it in, was uh, defense. <laughs> <laughs> right. It really wasn't a position. It was flag football, but it was kind of rough. Anyway, I was sacking the quarterback. I pulled him around, and something happened to my finger. So, and I told the guy, I said, man, there is something wrong with my hand. Because I made a fist, I was wearing gloves, but this finger stayed out here. And it just sort of dangled. I said, oh, there's something wrong with my finger. So they convinced me to pull my glove off. And there's my finger sort of dangling. And pre-vet student in the house says, Eric, don't worry about that. We just did that to a Cocker Spaniel. I can fix that. (laughs) So we went back and he put a popsicle stick, taped it up. When I came home uh, at the end of the semester and actually went to a surgeon and said, okay, if you would have come in the day, we could have fixed it. Right. But now you're going to need two surgeries. Okay. All right. So I went through the surgeries and that's a whole nother story, but I would have had to have sit out a semester and I didn't want to do that. So I'm back to Lewis and Clark. All right. So I actually got an associate's from Lewis and Clark. And then... What was the story? Uh, I transferred over to SIU Edwardsville, and I liked it. And then I met this girl who had spent time at SIU Carbondale. And she said, that's a great school. That's a great journalism program. Mm -hmm. We should both go do that. Mm -hmm. So we convinced our parents to let us go to Carbondale for our senior year. Is that So that's Lewis and Clark, SIU, Carbondale, Mizzou. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's fine. So we went there, got the degree, and ended up marrying the girl, still married, to my first wife, Leanne. Hey, Leanne. <laughs> and that's how, uh, that's sort of, that's, that's how I got through college. So was journalism the major from the get-go? That's what you wanted to do? Of Obviously course not. It was, okay, right. Yeah. No. Uh, now, my mother, who was in the business, right. I was interested in advertising, but I was going to be an orthodontist. But you got to be pretty smart to be an orthodontist. So I I, I thought, okay, you know what else turns me on is arrowheads. I'm going to be a geologist. (laughs) That didn't work so well. I thought, well, you know what? I love to draw. How about an architect? Okay, well, that's physics. And uh, well, you you know what I really like? I just like advertising. So I finally switched. Uh, journalism degree with advertising specialty and a psychology minor, which is pretty cool. And even today, that's my favorite part of advertising. The psychology part of it? Yeah, it's it's neuromarketing. And it makes me think that maybe, I wonder even if humans have free will because we're so predictable. Mm -hmm. You respond to colors, you respond to sounds, you respond to senses, uh, you respond to type fonts. And all of that can be manipulated. And that, I think, is very cool. Definitely. Let's, uh, let's get back to that, but let's talk a little bit about the career path. So when, what do you do when you, get out of, when you do graduate college and get out? Get finished with school number five. Yeah. <laughs> In 1986, my mother and four or five other people were working for the Telegraph, mm-hmm. the ad sales department. And that company had recently been sold. And with an ownership change, there's always some drama. And they didn't really like where they were going. So these five people, namely Jim Seibold, who uh, was one of the founders of Advantage News, he asked Sharon, hey, do you think we could make a living in this town selling ads to small businesses? And she will even admit that they were all too dumb to say no. (laughs) They said, yeah, we can do that. So they said, all right, well, let's just quit and start our own. Mm -hmm. So they worked 
three months building this shopper. And their office was on Cherry Street in the coat closet of Gribble Printing. So they had two folding tables, they had two chairs, they had a hot wax pot, pair of scissors, and I think three pens, and they were in business. Right. My first job out of college. What was it called when it first? It was Today's Today's Advantage, Advantage, right. Yes. Our very first issue, I don't know, maybe you don't don't know this, but it was, uh, the very first issue had a picture of Jack Clark. You know who Jack Clark is? I do. I've seen that that issue maybe hanging in your office or somewhere. Yeah. So he was the first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 80s, Mm -hmm. and he was a big deal. Now, he's there in a 1979 Terry Clark t-shirt. Uh, holding a mock advantage because we could not afford to pay the Cardinals for the sponsorship, but or for the PR or whatever it is. Right. So we got him, and that first edition was a disaster. Evidently, the printer that we were using had a mailing list that was really, really old. So most people never saw that edition. It went all the wrong place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got that fixed, switch printers, and took off. That was business. My first job there was um, to run the mailing list. Back then, we had um, stickers that went through a dot matrix printer, printed on the address, and then they had to be stuck on the on each paper. Mm-hmm. Well, that dot matrix printer was really loud, so the people, the employees, they didn't like that. So it was one summer. My mom calls and says, "Hey, Eric, do you want a job?" I'm like. No, um, <laughs> it's summer break. I'm on. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit kind of busy. Right yeah, I'm kind now, of busy. Yeah. We're just Gilligan's Island. And I right, got yeah. some Diet Pepsi. Well, we need your help. Come down here. Okay. So I went down there and they wanted me to run the machine, the dot matrix printer. And it's going zig, 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 really loud. And it was like great big old yellow, heavy 400 pound dot matrix printer. So at five o'clock, everybody would leave and I would come in and I would start running the mailing list and they would pay me. I was making a dollar every 15 minutes. And I thought, man, that's, that's awesome. Living. Yeah. I'm just sitting here. We had a little black and white television that would pick up. I don't know if it was Dr. Phil at the time, but I could watch that while this thing, and then it would, the paper would jam and I would go fix it, start it and then watch the rest of whatever's on TV. (laughs) That was my first job there. Like to go back to that sometimes, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, but one day, I was in there, zig, 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 and there had been a consultant there earlier in that day, and they had set up these new computers, and he was going to come back later in the weekend and train the graphic artists how to do it. Well, I was curious, so I went over to the computer, and I sat down, and I hit the button, bong, was the sound, and a little smiley face comes up on the screen, like, oh! God, that is the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And there's this thing, you move it around, it's like this pointer on the screen. I was, we had been using something called WordStar and you had to type in all the commands and it was awful. But this, what is a Macintosh computer? It changed my life because at that point I was hooked. So now when I would go in and run the mailing list, I'd also go over to the production side and I'd pull out any ads that they didn't get done for the day. Mm-hmm. And I would sit down. I taught myself this Macintosh how to make print ads. And that started this wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a long time ago. That was a long time. It was 1987, 86, something like that. So did you do, did you do that throughout college or? Well, at no. Yes. I worked summers. And I worked um, breaks and that kind of thing. Uh, but then after college, 
I came back and they said, um, you can be our graphic artist or one of our graphic artists. So, I, so I, I did that and I got pretty good at it. And then what would happen is the salespeople would bring in their customers to sit next to Eric to design their ads. Mm-hmm. And I seemed, I really liked that engaging with the customers right. and they liked the ads and, and it was fun. So I thought, well, I really like the customers. Maybe I should go get my own. So I put on a tie one day and I went out and I called on some customers and they bought some ads. And, <laughs> and that feeling really hooks you in. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. And then the ads worked and the customer's happy and it was just great. And, and I've been doing that almost ever since. There was a time uh, in the middle of that. Actually, it was the consultant who sold them those Macintosh computers recruited me away. And I went to a company in St. Louis called Brown Graphics and they did pre-press. Like I worked on Prevention Magazine, Backpacker Magazine, um, Scuba, American Worker, all these high-end magazines, and the artist files would come in, and we would make them so that when they come out on the printing press, they were good. Well, that was a real trick back then. It took million-dollar software to do that. You can do it on your phone now, but back then, it was a big deal. But that's where I learned color. So the shopper was always black and white. And then I came back, and I said, hey, we got to do this color stuff. And ever since, they said, what is CMYK? Well, it's blue, yellow, black, and red. So that's, that got us into color. So now we're, we're doing color. Another story that I love to tell about, um, I'm sort of an early adopter. When the technology comes in, I love the you new technology. Are, yeah. And I came in, I told uh, Jim, who was the founder, I said, there's a new piece of equipment we've got to get. It's going to change everything. And he knows me and he says, oh, that's, that's a fad. You know what, Eric and his ideas, that's great. I said, let me, I'm going to, it's 1200 bucks but it's going to change the way we do business. He said, well, it's okay with me if it's okay with your mother. So I went in and told her the whole thing. So I brought it in. I set it up. It was a fax machine. <laughs> a fax machine. Now, that was when nobody else had a fax machine, except uh, Baxter's Distributing had a fax machine, and Wally Burger Buick had a fax machine, so we would fax each other. The three of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, and he, he, he called it hot wiring. Like, if you were going to send a proof... Hotwire so hot that down to Burger Buick. Uh, and it wasn't too much longer. We got into email and he still said hotwire that. So we hotwired it. Talk a little. We've got as any small business or local business, I guess, um, there's oftentimes a family d- dynamic involved there. And there has been for you for, well, really, as long as you've worked there, I suppose. Yes. Uh, talk I'm about a big that. fan of nepotism. <laughs> If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have a job. In <laughs> fact, um, my mother started it, so I'm there. And for the last many years, 13 years, my wife works there uh, as the business manager. And for a while, my son was writing. He had a, a pseudonym that he went in. So I thought if I could get my dad a gig down here, it would right, be a family yeah. affair. Right. But can you imagine working with your mother and your wife every day? Um. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> when I, at the dinner table at night, my son would say, is there nothing else we can talk about besides work? Because then you can't clock out when everybody's, that's everybody's job. I mean, that's a challenge for me and my wife, or it doesn't work there. But it, it just, it dominates your thoughts as running the business. It's, it's hard to get away from. Yeah. And when your spouse is working there and your mom is working there, it's even uh, multiply that. It's insane. It's insane. You know, Thanksgiving dinner, what are we talking about? The paper. 
Right. Birthdays, we get together, we talk about the paper. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. That's it. It's 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 moderately and maybe a good thing in some ways, even. Well, it's it's moderately annoying to the extended family who don't work there. <laughs> you can see the eyes roll, but yeah, that's what we talk about. Sure, sure. What are some of the challenges that that that, that brings about, other than just not having anything else to talk about? Well, a lot of people come to work with us and it's weeks before they realize that Leanne is my wife or Sharon is my mother because mm-hmm. I call her Sharon. I think it's weird for me to yell through the office, mom. <laughs> I mean, that, I, just, right. I just think it's weird. And it's very professional the way we act mm-hmm. because we both have the paper's interest at heart. That's what we want. That's it's everything. It's the life for both of us. So it's a very professional relationship. It just, at some point, you probably need a break. And there's no break when everybody works there. Right, right. Well, there's certainly been an evolution for the company. Uh, different ownership groups and different strategies. What Talk about a couple of those milestones in the, in the history of the business. In 2013, my mother and her business partner sold the company to um, John Simmons. He had it in mind that... This town needs a newspaper. At the time, the daily newspaper was under different ownership, and it, it was very, very thin, and it, there just wasn't a lot to it. So we thought, well, let's start a newspaper. He called one day and said, hey, we're going to start a newspaper. You're going to run it. And I said, well, what about the advantage? And he's like, oh, I'm going to buy that too. Okay, so we got together, and we launched this weekend newspaper. We sold lots of subscriptions, about 7,000 subscriptions, and turns out that's really, really good, but we didn't know that. We thought, well, only 7,000 subscriptions. We've mm. got to stop that. So the newspaper only lasted about four months in 2014. So we had the shopper on Wednesdays that was delivered, and we had this newspaper thrown on Sundays. So we put them together, and now we have this hybrid that's on Fridays. It's probably the only newspaper that is supported solely by advertising, which is a terrible business model. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no one pays a subscription. So our profit margin is very, very small, but it's enough. Um, and people seem to like it. Uh, in a weekly newspaper, you can't compete with breaking news. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, right. That's, that's your department. And even the daily paper now can't do that because if it comes out in the morning, it's too late. Right. You know, I think you can see the car burning on the side of the road through a Facebook live feed. You know, that's so we stay away from that. We do have an editorial staff and we're really, really strong on sports. Not so much that we report the box scores, but there's always a story in the game. Mm-hmm. So we want to tell that story. And there's usually something going on in the lives of one of the players or the coaches or something like that. And that people love that. Right. There's one example. There was a... Um, and you have a really good team that does that. Oh, thank you. I think I actually heard one on the radio today. How about that? <laughs> Bill Roseberry. Yes. He says, I hope Eric McRoy's not listening. He's a frequent guest. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. We're so fortunate to have him because he loves his job. And all of the high school sports parents, athletes, coaches, they all love Bill. And I can't... The things he knows. He knows stats. He, I, he writes a sports trivia for us each week. And I don't know how he knows this stuff, but he knows a lot. He does. He knows a lot. So sports is sort of our thing. To give you an idea, there was a a house fire in Jerseyville one time and all the media reported it as they should. Well, it's going to be a week old by the time my story comes out. Mm -hmm. But then we heard that 
the woman's ring was lost in the fire. And they went back and dug through all of the rubble and found her wedding ring. So that's the story that we wrote. And it was very, very popular. What do you think? We're both dealing with this and thinking about this. I know uh, you guys have added products to the mix in Greenville and Jersey County and Granite City and, and elsewhere. What do, you, what do you see on the horizon for the next five to ten years? That is a brilliant question. And the thing that scares me is I, I, I don't know. I feel like media is really merging into some online something. Um, I know that you know Facebook is wildly popular, mm-hmm. uh, but I know that their user base is rapidly decreasing. So is something else coming along? I don't know. Uh, so you can advertise on Facebook, but you're missing a lot of people. Um, but you think the Internet's here to stay? It may. I thought it was a fad. <laughs> it may be here to stay. All right. Yeah. Guess we'll have to live with that. Yes. But, but you know what? I think <clears throat> I, I'm working on a package now. It's a tradigital advertising mm-hmm. package. Traditional media paired with digital. And I think that's where we're going. I've, I know for a fact that traditional media like us drives the most Google search. Right. right. Now. There's a client of ours. You have a client. He's your client, too. And he runs a report to generate where most of his phone calls come from. And he tells me 80% of them come from Google. And I said, well, Mr. Customer, you should just get rid of all of your advertising and just stick with Google. Right. And he knows that is not the case. In, In his industry, attribution is a big word. They hear a commercial on the radio so then they Google that guy right. and they call him. They see an ad in the paper. They see an ad in the paper and they Google that. Even if I put the web address in the ad, they're still Google. Right. So Google gets the credit for that lead. But the small businesses around here know that it's traditional media that's driving the Google search. I th- it's a lot like 20 years ago. Uh, people would say, how did you hear about it? And, the, and probably the most common answer was, I, I looked you up on the yellow pages. Yes. But... It, they they picked you out of the yellow pages for a reason, because they saw your ad somewhere else. Absolutely. And that's a lot what Google is right now, I, I think. I think so. I think so. One of my, another one of my favorite stories was there was a, a furniture store that was going out of business. And we ran a promotion for them, but he wanted to know from where the leads were coming. So we made a little sheet. And when they would check out the customer and say, how'd you hear about us? It was radio, TV, print, or other and TV got the most checks. The interesting thing is, never in the history of the business have they run a TV commercial. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the truth is, people really don't know what's driving them. And if you do a survey, most people are going to pick B if they don't know. And they don't like to admit that they were manipulated by an ad. They, right. So, right. Well, we're about out of time. I just like to say that it's, you know, we're competitors in many respects, but I'm glad we got to become friends uh, a long time ago. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate all you do for the community. Well, it's my pleasure. It's a great time, Nick. Thank thanks. you for having me.